Hey, welcome back. This is Ad Speaks Houston, the Addy Award-winning podcast, giving you the inside scoop on Houston advertising and marketing. It is created and produced by Radio Lounge for the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter at aaf-houston.net. Glad to have you today. A couple of things we want you to know before we get into our conversation today with Deanna Witter, Chief Revenue Officer for the Houston Dynamo, Houston Dash, and Alexandra Noboa, Sports Marketing in a COVID-19 World. It's a great conversation, and we'll do that here in just a moment. And before we talk about the American Advertising Federation and all of the great activities going on right now, we lost a good friend this past week as we record this podcast. Dwight Douthit of Dwight Douthit Design was a champion for our industry, a champion for the American Advertising Federation, our club, and just a good friend. And he lost his battle to uh, pancreatic cancer this past week. And I'll tell you one thing, we're going to miss his smile, his energy, and all of the incredible things that he brought to to Houston uh, advertising and marketing and to our club. Dwight, thank you for all of the great things that you have done for our industry and our club. We'll miss you. One thing that Dwight Douthat was such a big part of was the American Advertising Awards uh, celebration where you can win an Addy. And and especially to honor him this time, we want you to participate. Tell the voice inside of you, yes, I can. Entries for the 59th Annual American Advertising Awards do. Between now and December 31st, you can go online to aaf-houston.net and you can there submit your entries, and please come and join us. It'll be a virtual event, and we promise to make this year's event, the 59th Annual American Advertising Awards event, uh, extra special for you. Go to aaf-houston.net. Go to the place where you can submit your entry. Go do it. Do it right now, and then get ready for our virtual show on Thursday, February 18th, 2021. And we thank you for your participation. Do it for Dwight. During the month of December, we have no uh, events coming up as the holidays uh, take charge there, but look for some great things to come your way in January of 2021 and, of course, the American Advertising Awards in February of 2021. Stay safe. Do the things that will make you and those around you safe as well, and uh, we're going to get through this together. You know we can do that. It's always fun to stay in touch with the American Advertising Federation with our e-newsletter. It's free, and it's at the uh, website, aaf-houston.net. It's especially now a good way to stay in touch with the things that are are happening, our webinars and all of the various activities, because life does go on at the American Advertising Federation, and we are hopeful to do great things coming up in the new year. Not that long ago, we had a chance to get together to talk about sports and women in sports at the American Advertising Federation. We did a webinar. I hope you were part of that webinar. If not, uh, I understand it's available and we can listen to it. And we talked uh, about uh, women in in, in sports, in in management positions. And uh, the bottom line is it needs to be a lot more, a lot better than it has been. Uh, The good news is I guess we're working uh, in that direction, and it's uh, obviously going to be a longer journey than we all would like it to be, but in the meantime, that's good progress. Deanna Witter is uh, Chief Revenue Officer of the Houston Dynamo and the Houston Dash at the beautiful BBVA Stadium in the heart of Houston. Alexandra 
Naboa is manager of baseball administration at the Houston Astros, and uh, those were our special guests for this very special webinar. Hi, guys, and now you get to be on our podcast. Isn't this wonderful? Hello. Yeah. Thank you for having us. There yes, you thank, you for, thank you so much. Yeah, sports in this town is so important, uh, and sports is so relevantly good in this town, especially in Houston, uh, the most diverse city in the in the country. We have so many cool things happening um, with the Dynamo, with the Dash, and I love the new logos, by the way, for, for those. That's kind of neat. Thank but, you. Um, and we were talking before we started uh, to record this podcast about uh, about how watching uh, the Astros play and watching the cardboard cutouts, and I was just digging it because every time I turned on a game, there were more cardboard cutouts, including Barbara and George Bush, where they always used to sit in the stadium. And I thought that was so cool. But, um, you know, we, we talked about the things that you have done, and you both have a, a vast amount of experience uh, in the sports marketing world and sports management world as well. You've been uh, to a variety of different places, and we're so happy that you're here in Houston. Please don't go. Okay, just <laughs> stick around a while. You know, we look we look at 2020, guys. It's been challenging in so many ways with the kids not in school or in school or at home school, uh, with um, with making a trip to the grocery store to buy toilet paper. That's <laughs> that shouldn't be a challenge, okay? Um, or, or not shaking hands or just wearing masks. And, and uh, man, it's been a, I don't want to say a screwed up, it's been a challenging year. Uh, I guess that's a good way to put it. And I, uh, um, I may not be the biggest sports fan, but I sure am missing. There's a big hole in 2020 uh, that we have missed. We have missed an opportunity here. And I want to talk to, to both of you and give me both your, uh, your, your thoughts on this. But I got to believe that fans have got to be hungrier and hungrier to go to the sports buffet and get back to what, what they used to do, which is go to games, have fun, have family time. So let's, either one of you can go, uh, go first here. How are you guys maintaining that level of passion? Because it seems to me that at this point in time, that would be the challenge, uh, not anything else, but the challenge of, okay, now I got to capture and maintain the, uh, you know, the relevancy of this game uh, in the Houston market. So uh, Deanna, Alexandra, what would you like to say about that? Yeah. I, yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind going first. Um, well, thank you for the question. And again, thank you for having us on today. Um, you know, I think that the very unique platform that sports has is that we bring people together. We bring communities together and whether the, the team is playing on the pitch, the field, the court, um, that doesn't change the impact that we have in those moments and that opportunity. And so thankfully, um, through the, through the power of relationships and communication, we're able to still continue to engage with our fan base, engage with the community in a way where we are still effective um, and what we are purposely able to do as, as generators of connection and engagement and experiences that reflect back to not only our organizations, but also um, reflective of our community and what we represent every single day. And so for, for us, you know, we've really taken this time, um, not so much to work on building up our business, but to build our relationships. And I think our rebrand that you had mentioned about our logos um, that's really reflective of the fact that we are Houston's team. And um, so in this this time frame, we've been able to allow ourselves to um, use this time and space to sort of 
um, elevate um, that opportunity. And that's continued to stay engaged. I think people are very excited to come back. And we were very lucky to be able to host nine matches this year, six with fans, um, socially distanced, 3,000 people, and start to um, you know get a little bit of a taste of normal again. And right now we're working on, you know, opening up next season at some point when it's once it's announced, probably early, uh, early spring um, to be able to bring fans back once again. Um, and in that time between now and then, we'll continue to be engaged and connected in the way that we know best. Cool. What about you, Alexandra? Yes, I agree with everything that was said. Um, but I have to point out what you said in the beginning, Ray, at least on a baseball perspective, um, Houston is a great sports city. And um, coming from, I worked in St. Louis and Miami, and it's important to have a city that's dedicated. I'm, you know, the Astros have built their fan base and, and, um, they have loyal fans and they, either way, they're going to find ways to reach out and stay engaged. So I think it's, you know, we have to give a shout out to Houston for having amazing fans and, and people, but also you also mentioned that the cutouts, that was a, a strategy to keep people engaged and fans you know that it was a long summer for me it was like wow a, no baseball in summer I mean there was but it was empty ballparks and it was you fast forward it feels like a big long off season so right now um the way that you know baseball runs like any big business that you know there's going to be a promotions team marketing team and they're figuring out strategies campaigns for 2021 and then on my side the baseball operations team we're concentrating on the product on the field. So uh, really looking at how we can, you know, stay competitive and how you can maintain your fans um, and how you can get new fans. And that's also um, achieved by playing good baseball. So every, every single aspect of the organization is kind of concentrated and focused on different things. But um, I, I, I have to say that it was um, long, long, season long 2020 without having fans in the ballpark. So keeping them engaged is, is very important. And um, we try to do that in many different ways, whether it be social media, then kept that campaign, but then focusing on the product on the field. You know, there are so many tags that you could put on to sports in, in any city, really. And if I were to, to give you an equation that sports equals blank, what would that be? I mean, I have my own ideas as well, but but uh, Alexandra, what would you say sports equals what? Joy. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah. yeah I was, was going to say happiness. Yeah. Mm, okay. So say I was going to say community uh, just because it seems to bring people uh, together. I have a funny story to tell you of being uh, living in Sugarland when the Skeeters first came to town. And the Skeeters are high on the radar of the Houston Astros now because they are now a part of the Astros franchise. But there was a big uprising in Sugarland, specifically in a place called Sugar Mill, that we didn't want this ballpark in our backyard. We did not want this ballpark. Right. And and it was, you know, crime's going to go up, traffic's going to go up, blah, 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 blah. And you know, that in our backyard is the most magical place in the whole entire world because we have a baseball field. It's almost like field of dreams in your backyard. And so all of these people who are so angry about the Skeeters coming to, to, to Sugarland and, you know, coming to our neighborhood, everybody, well, not everybody, but <laughs> most of us were wrong about that because it, once again, 
it was magical. And you're so right. Happiness and joy. It is there. It is there. You can't help but go to a ball game, whether it's soccer or baseball or whatever, and have a smile on your face and have a good time. There's an energy there, especially in a live stadium, that you can't you can't uh, measure. It just doesn't happen. We did um, we did some commercials several years ago for the Houston Texans, and uh, instead of using sound effects uh, from various sound effects libraries, we actually went to the uh, uh, energy and and recorded there. You would have to leave the difference between those sound effects of actually being at a game. And seeing yeah. that and feeling that, so I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping that uh, you know, with the with the uh, coming of the of the the vaccines, and hopefully with a, a changing of all of that stuff, it's slowed us down, and it certainly has complicated and confused things for quite a long time. But both of you guys have done such a great job with maintaining that uh, that level. Are there still people who don't understand and are angry at you guys? for the whole thing, the way things are going, or what's, what's the response from uh, the fan base for the most part? I think in the beginning, when this all started to explode in March, uh, whether, you know, at first it started, came out as a, a virus that maybe only affected older people or people with a compromised immune system. And people were just like, what, you know, what's going on? Don't understand. But then I think when we saw the severity of the situation, um, I, I really think that there was no way to argue with that, especially even when we did start to play, there was outbreaks within, you know, the teams were isolated. We called it the bubble. They were still, you know, people were getting infected and have the players, I'm sorry, were getting infected and it would have to push back the schedule. It affected everything. So I think there was really no, no arguing there that it was really understood that this was something serious and it, and it deserved to be treated as such. Yeah. What about you, Deanna? Yeah, you know, we didn't experience, um, you know, too many fans upset. I think it was a sense that we were all in this together. It wasn't an isolated situation of, of that this this pandemic was just impacting sports and your sports experience. It was it was impacting everything that you experienced in your lifestyle. And so we were just one of those components, and we were one thing that brought joy and happiness to you. Now it's being sort of taken back or delayed. And so, um, you know, for us, I think it was just extremely important that. We were we stayed connected in our communication. As soon as we would know something or had something to share, we shared it immediately. Um, so I think our that having an effective communication plan throughout the process allowed us to stay connected and to hopefully ease minds of the uncertainty that was sort of wrapped around that moment. And you know, similar to what Alexandra said, um, you know, the MLS and the NWSL both built bubbles. Um, a little bit different than the MLB did. We were in Orlando for the men for the MLS, and the women were in Utah. And we were able to launch. So the NWSL was the first team to, to return to play and sort of be the leader. So you have this, this incredible league led by women um, uh, that was able to sort of be the forefront and sort of break down some of the fears to get us back to playing and bringing sports back um, broad, you know, from a broadcast perspective. Um, and then shortly following was the MLS and you know, NBA and then obviously the, the MLB and hockey. So um, I think once we were able to consume and, and be engaged again, um, you know, via broadcast, um, I think it, I think things started to pick back up and people started to feel connected again. I feel as if uh, when this all culminates, which I'm not sure it will, but uh, at least we transition into the next phase of whatever, uh, there's going to be a flood of, uh, of interest and people just dying to get out there and do that. And I say that in a nice way, not a bad way. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> 
Without a crystal ball, we don't have a crystal ball, but what we do have is predictors for 2021. Um, is baseball and soccer responding uh, along with other national teams? I mean, are you guys all in the, the same kind of plane? You're all kind of thinking about doing the same thing along the way, or is Houston different in that respect? Um, I think we no 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 i don't think we're we're different i think that we're committed to going all the way i don't i don't see i don't see this no i don't think houston's any different mm-hmm. yeah i would i would agree i don't think there's i think there's 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 any difference i think when we get into sort of how we respond in, in as we go into 2021 in terms of pandemic i think our leagues you know and the decisions our leagues are making to ensure that safety and precaution is is secured is, is, is the number one priority for everyone. And I think that that's across all teams and leagues. Um, we're still very competitive and we want to, we all want to win, you know, and win for our cities and our fans. Yeah. That's, yes, that's, uh, you, um, you mentioned that I, we, I was just talking about this in the office. It looks like, I mean, if things continue to um, uh, happen, how they're happening right now with the virus, it looks like in going into spring training, we're going to have to have the same precautions, the bubble, all of that, um, you know, getting tested daily as of it, nothing is for sure, but it looks that way that we're going to have to still maintain those, um, those, those precautions until the vaccine, until everyone's able to get the vaccine. I mean, at least the players or how that's going to look, you know, and if some players opt out of it, I'm not, you know, a lot of contracts and, agreements with the players association. So it's, it's long road, but we want to, we, we want to, we want to, we want to be competitive and we're in it. It's become very complicated, hasn't it? Yes, it has. It's affected everything. Like we've said, it's affected a lot of every aspect, I I would say. So uh, you got the fan base now, how do you keep the players interested and not frustrated at this point in time? I mean, okay. You want to play ball. You're a professional ball player, or, or you know, baseball or soccer. How do you keep folks? How, how are you keeping these guys and and and, and folks interested in, in this? You know, staying with it. Well, beyond the contracts. Yes. <laughs> I I have to say that there were some players that opted out of 2020, and that was an option just because they maybe saw it was too much of a risk, and or if they had, depending on the situations of their families. Um, there was, it was, it, the reason the season took so long, at least for baseball, for it to get started was there was a lot of back and forth and negotiation going on between the Players Association, which, speak, which speaks for the players and the teams, um, how that was going to happen, how the contracts were going to be honored, um, you know, payment, uh, how much they were going to be paid, where the revenue was going to come from. So all of that was a big back and forth. And I think that players are very interested in that teams um, have their, you know, held, held, hold up their end of the bargain. So are their contracts going to be respected in, in full? I mean, if you would tell them we're only going to pay you a fraction, I, I, I speaking for some, they're going to say, I'm, I'm going to opt up not to play or the risk is too high. I should be, you should honor my full contract. So a lot of back and forth, but I know a lot of maybe younger players want the MLB, the, the time so they can, so they can add that to their, um, seniority you know it depends on like how many for arbitration how it works you have to play a certain amount of years so it helps them in the career in their careers I think the younger players were more like I want to get on the field I want to play 
Um, I want to play baseball no matter what. And maybe the veterans were more, um, you know, they understood possibly the the risks and how contracts work, but it was a mixture. Some, some really wanted their contracts to be respected hundred percent. And others were just like, I want to get on the field and play baseball. But mainly I think they, it, we came to an agreement that worked for everybody. Yeah. Makes sense. What about you, Deanna? You know, our situation right now, obviously, is our, our team's um, in the offseason. So from a sense of engagement as we go into next year, um, we're we're in the offseason mode and everybody is sort of in their training plans at their at their own respective locations where they live when they're not in Houston or playing for the team. And they'll report back at the end of January. Uh, but everybody is committed. You know, I think I think that's I think that's one thing when you look at the MLS compared to maybe the other four big leads were number five of of the four. So there's a sense of hunger. And there's a different sense of motivation um, that they they know that playing means growth and that we have to continue to play um, to continue to grow our game here in our, in this country. Um, and so I think we're all dedicated and invested in that as we move forward. So um, we haven't had uh, too many situations where people didn't want to play or had challenges there. It's, it's about, about getting on the field. And again, it's, it's about making sure that we create a safe environment and make sure there's confidence that they're in a safe environment to proceed and play the game that they love. Yeah, we all want that too. I mean, that, that yeah. just makes sense. Uh, Deanna Witter is Chief Revenue Officer of the Houston Dynamo, Houston Dash, and Alexandra Naboa is Manager of Baseball Administration for the Houston Astros. You know, there are some pretty big salaries out there for the players, obviously, and and that's that makes total sense. I mean, you play for a while, and then you you do other things, right? You buy a car dealership. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> as a business. Um, and without getting to your back offices for your accounting offices, <laughs> you have to have some pretty deep pockets if you're not playing ball, if you're not having events, if you're not selling stuff, if you're not doing stuff. How how does how does professional sports handle this kind of a thing? I mean, you call the insurance company and say, I'm calling that policy in because we need it or whatever. And I, I highly doubt that you got any type of government assistance for this. Maybe you did. I don't know. But I mean, there's a lot of money there just tied up, uh, you know, in, in the player's salaries. What's going on with that? And how are you guys sustaining that without getting too uh, uh, intimate with that information? Well, I, I would say across the entire industry, I mean, the sports industry has been hit very hard financially. Um, you know, the news, the headlines and, you know, across our industry, there's been a lot of layoffs, a lot of, you know, unfortunate um, hard decisions being made um, at a lot of organizations when it thinks about the health of the club. I mean, the priority obviously is to is to keep the club together. And that's going to be the priority is making sure the players have, you know, secure that the players are with the team. They're getting, they're, you know, obviously getting paid and the negotiated contracts that are associated to their individual contracts and align with the CBAs. Um, when it comes to the overall health of the business, obviously we have to make decisions on making cuts and, and modifications without it having an impact on our, again, our relationship and connection and what we deliver to our fan base. And so there's a, there's a balance there and it's been, um, it's been quite a process. I, I would say I've never been in a situation where I'm talking about budgets and, you know, expenses on a, on a almost, you know, multiple times in a day. I mean, this is usually something we talk about one period, we get our budgets done and then we just run, but this is a consistent conversation about um, our budgets and making sure that we're making the, the right decisions so we can sustain our business and move it into next year. Um, and, uh, you know, I think all in all, um, with ownership backing and um, where we are with the support of our fans, um, we've been able to, um, you know, renew and retain our, our fan base and our partners and their investments as well, which is the key part here when you think about 
um, your team, your organization and the community and the stakeholders involved in making sure that we're all in this together. And I think that's where it is. So um, very big props to our partners and our, and our fans for staying with us and not asking for refunds and, and not backing out and dropping their season tickets or, or um, trying to get out of contracts with partnerships, but that they, that they value this relationship, value what that our team um, brings to their organizations and their lives so that we can continue this on and continue to have uh, a team and players and um, obviously our organizations here in Houston. Very good. Alexandra, did you want to add to that? Yeah, sure. I mean, that that's Jana's uh, area of expertise. I have to say, <laughs> she, said, she said it perfectly and that's exactly what happened with, what is happening with Astros, finding a balance and unfortunate things like layoffs and, um, you know, uh, furloughs for a couple of employees, as in, it's not just the Astros, as we were talking about this before, uh, you and I, Ray, that is a thing across all 30 teams and, and MLB. Um, but I have to add that, you know, we had a, I, the Astros had a little extra, extra cushion since we had, we've had a couple, several good years lately, um, reaching the playoffs. So I feel like that allowed us um, to, I mean, I'm not, you can never be prepared, but at least um, the blow didn't feel so terribly hard as it did with other, you know, other teams are really suffering, but it did help that we had had, you know, some, a little bit of cushion there. Yeah. I mean, that's good to hear. And I was hoping to hear that answer. And I know you guys, obviously, these things are going to survive, you know, maybe looking a little different and such. You know, Alexander, I had a, a question for you. And I don't want to focus on the Skeeters, but considering the fact that this big, beautiful ballpark is in my backyard. Yes. <laughs> um, I thought, uh, and again, the, the Skeeters have been uh, very successful. Uh, they've won uh, many major championships, although it's an interesting league. It's like you hear of people... Uh, these teams that come from seem nowhere. It's like, okay, I've never heard of this place before. So yeah. really, can you talk about what what inspired um, the purchase? I mean, it seems to be a logical thing to, to have that. Uh, do, so talk about that acquisition. Sure. Um, unfortunately, I can't. I wish I could go deeper into it, but... Um, for those fans that know, we there were it's what exactly what you said. It's in our backyard. It's close. It's 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 right there, <laughs> and it makes mm -hmm. sense. It's a move that makes sense. For example, I don't know if you remember any of you remember that we there was a team, the Fresno Grizz, Grizzlies, but that you know in California, and then to be able to get a player over here in time with the time changes, or for if somebody needed to stand in and there was an injury. Or something you need to get you need to get these players on a plane immediately. So it was really difficult to have that as a practical standpoint to get flights or to get the player over here on time. Um, so I really I I I don't know specifics as what the what inspired it inspired it, but I can tell you that it had a lot to do with the proximity of how close it is and how convenient it is. No, I think it's pretty cool. So thank you for that, and yes. I, I appreciate the uh, the comments and the well, you know, we've come through another virtual version of a seasonal event. It was called Black Friday, and it was a very successful Black Friday where not a lot of folks were in the stores. Did you guys go to the stores at all? This, this no. Uh, no. I didn't think so. I didn't think so. Online. I, I, did yeah. some online, I did some online shopping. I did. Yeah. So it was very, very successful from a cash standpoint. People want to spend money, want to do things, want to make things happen. So can sports either stay like it is virtual or partially filled stadiums and still make money? 
Is that something that uh, can happen? I'm going to say oh, yes, but I'm, obviously you guys are the experts. It definitely, that's a, it definitely that's a good can, question. I, I mean, from a revenue, from my revenue perspective, yeah. yes, I think I think it, it can. It's going to take some innovation and some changes, obviously, um, to to switch to a model that would be 100% virtual. Um, but I think it would take away when you when you talked about earlier about when you go to a stadium, the energy, you know, mm-hmm. you know that for me when I go into any any sporting event, even a sport that I'm not even connected to, the energy that the crowd brings and how that will impact the play, but also your experience and how you feel connected to your part in sort of the success of, of the experience, let's say. Um, that there, There'll be a gap from that. So I think there's a core that would be interested in something more virtual. I, I'm sure you can monetize that and, and people have. Um, but I think there's other revenue streams and opportunities that we're exploring and that have started to become uncovered in this at this time and that will continue to be elevated but um you know ultimately i don't i don't think you'll ever see sports go away um i think there you'll find a new way a better way um that fits the environment of the of the moment of the situation smart very good yes. alexandra did you want I, to add to that i agree she couldn't have said it better um i it will never it will never replace the infield um, uh, in stadium experience, like we said, sports equals joy and there's nothing better than experience that with people you love, your friends and family. So I think that, um, that's not replaceable, but there's ways to monetize this, elevate it, um, the way that, that we saw 2020 play out. You know, I love the, uh, we talked about, uh, before we recorded that, I love the cardboard cutouts. I loved, loved, loved the cardboard cutouts. It was really cool to watch that on TV for the, for the Astros. So you could um, pick them up. I wanted to tell you that, uh, when was it? Two weeks ago, I went, um, to the office, I walked in and there was a big line of a drive through of cars and everyone, you know, the promotions team was taking the person's name and going inside the stadium and getting their cutouts. So they're picking them up. That's Are you cool. kidding me? Yeah, of course. You can pick up your cardboard cutout. <laughs> you paid oh, for wow. it, right? They, they paid for, for it. it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would just, you know, I, I would hope to see them maybe back, uh, you know, because that'd be kind of cool as well. A full stadium with half real people and half cardboard. That could. Cutouts. Yeah, they paid for them, so they were they were picking them up. <laughs> wow! Wow, that's yeah. pretty cool. So, any yeah. any uh, new uh, brilliant ideas? I'm sure you have many as we move into the to the new year. Anything that we may not have seen, either prior to COVID nineteen or during this uh, pandemic, uh, that we look for in 2021 on both both sides. Well, for us, we're actually at the beginning stages of the planning for 2021. So we we have nothing new to share today, but I'm looking forward to to when we get to that point and and being able to share some of the cool things that we'll, we will do. But I think there's a lot of ideas that are brewing. Um, as we get into 2021. And uh, yes, for the, for the Astros side, it's a uh, typical off season right now um, where you're looking at players, uh, looking at the data and looking who looking who we can sign, looking who's coming up. Um, there's always a surprise. You know, it's so funny in baseball. You start out the season thinking, oh, this is going to be the star player. And then all of a sudden mid-season, the guy that you've never heard of um, and triple a is wow. You know, so it's so exciting to see that happening. Um, the promotions team of course is, and marketing is working on the 2021 campaign, but all I can say is what happens every off season, looking at how to expand the team, looking how to get better and looking at what our farm system, what we have to work with. And, um, no matter how you plan it, it always turns out different. 
So it's, that's exciting <laughs> about baseball. <laughs> I like that. Different is good, though. There's nothing wrong with different uh, yeah. in, in many ways. You know, for both franchises, marketing spend has is, is, is been tailored really to a pandemic client. I mean, things are a little bit different. I know you've made some new relationships with, I believe, the television station, uh, right, Diana? But, uh, yep, but how, do you, how, do you, how do you see things changing as we uh, figure our way out of it? Are we going back to... Uh, more of a more of a normal cycle of a marketing spend from an advertising standpoint. Well, I think for us specifically with the rebrand, you're going to see an elevation for us. I mean, we we just launched our, our rebrand, the relaunch of our of our of our marks and our brand logos with both the Dynamo and the Dash. And so, um, obviously, that that launch was a significant investment um, from the marketing budget. And then, obviously, the ongoing support and advertising and promotions around the the rebrand what that means for our organization and sort of the brand promise and the values that, that are wrapped up into that, there will be, there will be additional spend happening. So, you know, for us, I think it's a unique, a unique perspective and something that, uh, as I talked about the budget earlier in terms of always looking at the health of our business um, that's one of our priorities as we, as we go forward. Um, Cause right now who we are as a brand um, and, and how we engage with the market through the marketing efforts um, is where our opportunity is the greatest when we're not playing. Um, so, so that's going to stay consistent. I think for our club specifically, you're going to see, you're going to see more. Cool. What about you? I think, um, yes, it will stay consistent. I can't speak on, uh, on, uh, on if there would be more, but I will have to say that, um, our, our content, what's unique about the Astros is, well, every team you can either in MLB, you can either choose to outsource um, or but or have content made in house. So we have a very talented team of graphic designers, and um, we in house come up with the ideas for the campaign, the logo, uh, the take it back. All of that was made in house. Our video team is amazing. Our photographer is amazing. So a lot of that is in house, and we've always put a lot of priority into that and resources. Um, so I think it will stay consistent. That's a good thing to hear. I like that. Uh, you're putting a smile on the pandemic, and I thank you for that. You, you yeah. guys obviously talk a lot to your peers in the industry, in both both soccer and Major League Baseball as well. Um, when you have conversations with people that you talk to in the industries, what's the overall mood that you're hearing right now? Is it is it up? Is it down? Is it confused? What's the overall mood? I think everything that you just said. <laughs> <laughs> going through waves. Um, I think hopeful, um, trying a co community, trying to deal with this as best as we can. Um, and how can we push the game forward and create a, a safe experience in a, in a safe way? How can we do our jobs in a safe way? Uh, being there supportive of each other. You know, at first, what everyone said, working from home is nice. And then you get used to it after that. You really want to get back into the office. And then it's just going through waves on the unknown, feeling stressed out. So um, I feel like it's a, a nice community and everyone is going through something similar. But I think the focus is how do we get through this? How do we keep everyone together? How do we keep the focus on baseball? How to succeed and looking forward to 20 to 2021? Yeah. Diana, what about you? Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna comment. I, I would agree completely um, with what Alexandra said. You know, it's it, it was in waves. You know, and I think now where we are, and with my peers across the the league, and some of the the peers that I have been able to engage with in, across the industry, is that there's a sense of optimism and, and and positive outlook about the direction. I think the fact that we are not to say we're completely out of the unknown, but we know what this is now for what it is in terms of like how it's affected our lives and 
And um, now, you know, as we move forward, we have a sense of idea, which allows us to plan around that, to have different scenarios to consider. And um, in the feedback we've gotten from our fan bases and, and across, you know, from our peers of what's worked and what's not worked and um, what, what's what been the best way to look at moving forward. I think um, there's a sense of optimism because now we're in it together and we have some best practices to share with each other with ways in which we can connect um, um, that we haven't been able to before. So I think there's some optimism and I think there's a lot of hope that's wrapped up in, as we move forward um, across the industry. Good to hear. You've both uh, chosen sports as your professional journey in life. What a great journey. Take us back to the day individually you yeah. discovered what you wanted to be when you grew up. Oh, wow. <laughs> sport, I can say that sports was never the plan. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, okay. It, it wasn't, at least on my, on my side. Um, it was some, something I loved, a hobby. Um, my, my dad's Dominican and um, baseball is, that is the, I would say unofficial or official sport of the country. So growing up, baseball was always on in the background. It was just something that I I loved and was a moment that I shared with him and I still share with him. And then I got my master's in journalism and I was searching after I graduated, what do I want to focus on? I worked at a radio station. Um, do I want to do investigative journalism? Do I want to write? And then I started doing some research and somebody suggested, well, why don't you look at MLB? Why don't you, uh, you know, there's, there's a need for women in sports. Why don't you look into that? And I said, wow, what an amazing opportunity to be able to combine something that I love sports and with journalism. And that's, that's how my journey started. But I really never thought that I would, that I would make a, a career out of it. Oh, I'm glad you did, by the way. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I'm actually the opposite story. I I knew I wanted to work in sports when I was like 14 years old. And wow. um, I grew up, you know, I obviously grew up playing playing basketball and soccer. Those were my two main sports. And, you know, um, in my situation, I, I fell in love with being an athlete. Like being a part of a team was, it gave me purpose. It gave me a sense of belonging and how I felt about being an athlete is how I wanted to feel about the rest of my life. And, and that athlete connection made me really, um, engaged, inspired to connect, um, at the professional level. So obviously I looked up to Michael Jordan. I'm a, I'm a Michael Jordan era generation. So Michael Jordan, the, the athletes of athletes that you aspire to want to sort of be like, you know, everyone wants to be like Mike, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so, um, so I, yeah, I think I think where basketball was on a platform of broadcast and popularity um, around those around that time really just had a big impact on me. So basketball was was like the sport. Um, and so as I as I got older, I had this opportunity that specifically like put me in the I'm a work in sports perspective. And my mom had had hooked me up with an opportunity through a friend who had a connection with the Detroit Pistons, where I'm from, I'm from Michigan, and um, he was able to get me and my best friend experience of a lifetime. And, um, for my, my 14th birthday, he got us tickets to sit at the sports table at a Pistons game. And it was one of those moments you'll never forget. It was life-changing and sitting at the scores table, seeing all these people in suits running around. I don't know what they were doing. I was like, I don't know what those people do, but I'm going to be a suit. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm truly like living up with you. I'm a suit at a game. You'll, if you go to a game, there's people, right. I'm one of those people. Um, yeah. And so that that vision of this concept that I can work in sports and um, be a part of creating those experiences that I was I was provided was was everything to me. 
And um, so I went to I went to college. Um, I was a first generation college student. Um, I did my research my freshman year. I just started um, working the the uh, the sports career fair game and started asking a lot of questions. And my first question was, I want to work in sports. Who do I need to become so that you hire me when I graduate? And that oh. really really helps. <laughs> they gave me some really great advice, and um, they introduced me to sales and the revenue path and the impact um, that the revenue side has on the overarching of the business. If you want to make a, a make make a difference, be a difference maker. That was sort of what the opportunity was presented, and I was so connected with it. It was like this is who I was meant to be, and so um, that's that's how I got in, and I'm so happy I did. That's a good story. I like that. Thank you for that. Yeah. You know, we've had a ton of leisure time this year, uh, more than we want. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. How have how have you guys individually spent time away from the game and the job? What do you guys do when you're not uh, talking sports and doing stuff like that? Oh wow. Um I well I like to cook and I was exploring more vegetarian options. So I really <laughs> like to get I like to get um creative in the kitchen and so that and it, it it's like a wind down for me it's really relaxing for me and that's what i i found um more time to do during this time of leisure <laughs> unwanted yeah. time of leisure yes because i have to say when you're when you're on the go what during the season and it's just like you get into the office at nine a.m. and sometimes if games go further you get out at midnight it's like you don't even have to, the things that you eat are just whatever just to keep it coming and like running around everywhere so that was nice like having a little bit of structure with my meals and getting organized and being able to explore and getting a cookbook so that was a nice change for me i was going to say if you're going to go ahead and cook the best thing you can possibly do is go vegan oh uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that you're going to eat. So, I mean, this, this totally makes sense. What about you, Deanna? What, what are you doing? Um, yeah, I, I I wish I could say there was more leisure time. I feel like I, I worked more. I think that it, this, this okay. created more work because of all the different scenarios and the planning and the extra level um, of communication engagement you have to have with the team from a leadership perspective um, in this environment requires more. And so I found myself uh, probably putting more into the work um, but in terms of working from home and trying to changing my environments, there there was a shift. And you know, as I'm a I'm a mom of three, and I think when my kids were home at the same time I was home, um, that was different for me. I was not used to that. They weren't used to me being home either. So um, I think for me, it allowed me to break up my days and block out an hour, ninety minutes throughout my day. And I'd actually schedule them in because otherwise it would get covered. Um, just so I could dedicate time with my kids. So I, we would actually eat breakfast together and then I'd have lunch with them and then have a little bit of playtime and watch them in the pool and be on my computer in the pool and then, you know, come back in. And I think just the, the quality family time. And, you know, this, this is such a, an amazing time that we, we have that will, that you, that was given to us. And it's a, and in some way it's a gift. And I appreciated that. And um, I, I continue to appreciate that as we continue working from home in our state. So um, so for me, that was, that's where I, you know, I, I found a lot of value in terms of the, the extra time or the, the change of environment. You know, we're in a great city. We have great sports teams, uh, and incredible fans, and we're going to get through this, aren't we? How do you, how, what's your thoughts on that? Absolutely. We, we, I believe we touched on it before. Um, this is a great city with great fans, a love of sports and, um, 
little 2020 coronavirus won't won't mess with that. We're going to get through this. I'm going to come up with even more passion and hunger. People are going to be dying to get out to the stadium, to the field. So I think we're, we're going to get through this. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I'm a new Houstonian. You know, I've only lived here a year and a half. And I think one of the things that really inspired me about this community and, and coming to Houston was how strong this community is. I mean, from an outsider watching, I mean, you're from you're from Cleveland. You know, I'm from Michigan, but I lived in Cleveland before moving here. When you're outside and looking at Houston and, you know, getting through hurricanes and, and storms that you guys you guys have gone through, um, there's a real strength here. And I, I, I think that this test of the pandemic is 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 really you know sort of what Houston's meant for like we this this community really knows how to get through hard times together as a community and so I'm so happy that we're here and my family's here during this time um, because I, I really think we're going to get through this and I think it's the strength and how the community has really come together as they have time and time again um, as historic historically has happened here in the city so I feel the same way. I've only been here for three years as well, but I had the same feeling when I when I moved. Just the sense of community here in Houston. It really is different. Um, I came right after Harvey, and wow, I I was really impressed. I was really impressed. It's a great place to be. Yes. Yeah, and a great time to be here as well. And we're we're so fortunate that both of you are here to uh, to help carry on the uh, the story of, of of both of these franchises. Deanna Winter is Chief Revenue Officer, Houston Dynamo, Houston Dash. Alexandra Noboa is Manager of Baseball Administration for the Houston Astros. It's been fun talking sports with you guys. And, uh, <laughs> again, thank you for making that uh, webinar that we did for the American Ad Federation. So great. It was, it was, it was cool, too. But uh, I see good things coming here in 2021, and uh, I see you, uh, both of you, just uh, working like you know what to, to, to get <laughs> I, congratulations and on what you've done and what you've been able to do over the past several months here, which seems more like the past several years, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, here's the sport. Here's to the Dynamo and the Dash and the Astros and, and all of our great franchises in Houston. But thank you for being with us today. We appreciate that. Thank, thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Deanna and Alexandra today for getting together with us and talking sports in a COVID-19 world. Hey, one more thing before we let you go today. Membership in the American Advertising Federation Houston, it's a must do. It's gotta be part of your plan for 2021. Why? You are surrounded by an incredible advertising community here in Houston, the American Advertising Federation Houston is just an amazing club. We're doing so many different things all year long. It's just a great way to stay connected uh, to our community, to our industry, and uh, have a whole bunch of fun along the way. So what we have is the opportunity to join any time that's convenient for you. You can become uh, a single member or a corporate member or a sponsor of the American Advertising Federation Houston. It's all on the website aaf-houston.net. So as you're thinking about stuff to do here in 2021, planning marketing, planning opportunities, this is one that ought to be at the top of your list. Go find out more today, aaf-houston.net. And we'd love to see you. At Speaks Houston, the Eddie Award-winning podcast created and produced by Radio Lounge for the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter. You can find out more at aaf-houston.net. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. 
so you'll never miss a new podcast. And your rating on iTunes will also help us grow. Don't be afraid to share what you've heard today on social media. We also invite you to meet the people that represent District 10 of the American Advertising Federation. Check out Adtention, the podcast for District 10. Until next time, thanks for listening. Ad Speaks Houston, copyright 2020. I'm Ray Shillings.